What's up, everybody? This is Edgar Martin from the Q&E Podcast, just bringing you this message that today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. It could be sports, entertainment, or anything else that you feel people might want to listen to. Once again, that's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, Podgo. You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? We're coming in again, What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Q&E Podcast. You're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. I got Edgar on the other line. Edgar, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E Podcast. We got a lot to talk about today. Quincy finna air room out with his Damian Lillard. <laughs> uh, his little thing that he got to go off with with Damian Lillard, you know, we got a lot of topics to cover today. But first thing I want to do is just uh, send my condolences out to the family of Vincent Jackson. Uh, R.I.P. to him, former Charger wide receiver, former uh, Buccaneer wide receiver. Uh, it was just very sad to hear about that passing. Uh, the sheriff for Hillsborough County said he was suffering from alcoholism and concussions, so they say that could be um contributed to his death uh but he doesn't want to give a full synopsis on what he think it was uh he'll let the family do that when they're ready to speak to everybody and things like that but alcoholism and concussions were the two main things brought up was he in his house or was he in a hotel room uh i think they said he was in a hotel room when he passed that junk is scaring when you find somebody in a hotel room like that and they dead that junk be crazy man i remember they had found uh speaker knockers like that i don't think he was in the hotel room but he was just like alone yeah, like when you just you die alone and nobody's around, you're like, that's some sad shit. Like this sad shit that's to go out like that, bro. So definitely RIP to Vincent um, Jackson. That's how Michael died, right? Michael was alone when he died, right? Michael who? Michael Jackson. I, I think thought he was with his doctor. I think the doctor was there, but I think the doctor left. Oh, could have been, could have been. Mike was by himself, I think, when he passed. The doctor was the last person to see him. I think that's what it was. Are people still blaming the doctor? For like killing him, damn the mm, damn. I ain't heard nothing good about him, so I'm. Gonna <laughs> I don't think he went to jail though. I don't think so either. Now that I think about it, I gotta look him up. I gotta relook that situation. It's been a minute since I heard about it. Yeah, that's since yeah. that Malcolm Jackson death. It's but been, it's been like twelve years now. Damn. I yeah. remember that day too so vividly. That Michael Jackson death. It was in 2009. Cause I remember I was in Maryland when this shit happened. In 2009. Yep, I was in Maryland. That shit crazy, bro. Rest in peace, Mike. Rest in peace to Vincent Jackson. That's definitely a huge blow. Uh, I, was, I was in my dad's apartment, and he was taking my hair out, and we was watching the news. I remember that day so vividly. That's that's crazy. Yeah, it's funny days like that, bro. Like the, the Kobe death, the Michael Jackson death. I'm kind of I'm probably blanking on another death that's so vivid in your mind. You remember where you were at when it, it happened, when you got the news and junk like that. It's crazy. Like it, it really shook the world. I remember where I was when Prince died. I was in the house. My mama was in her room. I was in my room. I was just watching BET, and I seen, like, breaking news come on the bottom of the screen and stuff. And they stopped whatever show they had going on, and they just played straight Prince videos for the rest of the day. Yeah. Got to do a tribute to them boys, man. That's crazy. All right. But uh, definitely happy Black History Month to all of y'all. If y'all black, definitely uh, happy Black History Month. I hope y'all been catching up on y'all black history movies, too. There's a lot of black history movies going on. So y'all need to catch up on that. Judas and the Black Messiah. 
Saya was a great movie. I'm playing yeah. on something. That one night in Miami dropped. Uh, it dropped in November, but y'all still need to watch that. Junk. That's a great movie. And we just did a review for that as well. So y'all definitely need to check that out. I'm pretty sure I'm dropping it on Friday. So definitely check that out when I drop it, bro. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And Q and E Radio tomorrow, Thursday at 9 a.m. Definitely check us out on Dash Radio, nothing but net station. You can go to the Dash Radio app, or you can go to dashradio.com/slash nothing but net. All right, bro. And what is the first topic for today? Dame for MVP will be the first topic of today. So I just wanted to, I wanted to dive into this first before anything. Because y'all giving a lot of love to the Stephs. Y'all giving a lot of love to the KDs. We already know Bron going to get the love. He get the love every year. But the Steph and KD is who I want to just pick on right now. Without CJ and Nurkic, Damian Lillard is carrying his team to fifth seed in the West while putting up, I want to say, 28 in his last 10 games. And he's putting up the same amount of numbers as Steph Curry. But the media gives Steph Curry all the love. And they ain't no get no love, even though his team is doing better, even though they don't have two of their three stars on their team. Why is that? We know Steph is exciting and all of that, but they have similar skill sets. But we still don't want to give one love over the other. Same stats and one has the better record. Um, let's move on to KD. KD hasn't played. He's been on and off when it comes to either protocols or injuries. Media giving all of, uh, him all the love for MVP. Uh, when uh, James Harden came over, he got all the love for MVP, even though I don't think he's the most valuable net. I really think James Harden is the most valuable net, but Kevin Durant is getting all this MVP attention. Why is that? I, we got to start giving damn little more love, man. It don't make sense. It don't make I, sense, bro. I'll give you your flowers right now. You are right. You said this like over a week and a half ago now that Damian Lillard should have already been in the MVP conversation, but it's definitely more evident now than ever. Uh, shout out to Damian Lillard. He's doing everything that you just said. He's putting the team on his back, averaging close to 30 points a game, fifth seed in the West. Like you, without his two best accompanying players, I, I can't overlook that. Dame Lillard has definitely gotten into the MVP conversation. He's, I feel like he's a top three candidate at this current time for MVP. Most Dame definitely. It should be, it should be Brian. It should be Brian and B and then Dame. And you can, I can really make a good case for Dame to be number one because he's doing this without two of his top three players on his team. I can, I can accept that. I can accept Man, that. Like, like I said, you have to get um, a lot of production from the Gary Trent's. Melo has been playing well, so a lot of players on his team has been stepping up as well. But we already know Dame is the catalyst, but he but doesn't get the attention. I want to point out why these other players are getting the attention that you're talking about. I feel I, along with other major media, um, media social sites, I feel like they're pushing the Steph narrative because we expected the Warriors to be great coming back when Clay was healthy. But then when Clay got once Clay got hurt. We kind of still had to push that narrative of somehow, some way, Steph Curry will drive the Warriors to be somewhat great. We weren't expecting a lot, but we were still expecting hey, a healthy Steph, a healthy Draymond, and you got great young pieces now with Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman and a couple other people. It's like, hey, we could still expect Steph Curry to get them somewhere in the playoffs. So I feel the narrative was already set for Steph Curry, and the media is just continuing with their with their narrative for him. You hardly ever see major 
media platforms just change their narrative. Like they usually stick to it, whether it's going well or not. But it's, I'm saying that should change now because we see other people are showing out right now. It, but should getting- it should change. I agree. But I don't feel like you're not going to see Bleacher Report get off the Steph train or get off the LeBron train and just change it to Dame. They might not change it to Dame until all the fans just unanimously start pushing for Dame. Then they'll probably do it. But until then, you're going to see a lot of Steph post still. You're going to see a lot of LeBron post still. I've been saying that KD is an underdog for the MVP and people should be looking at him. You might get people still looking at him right now. So until we unanimously start looking at Dame, they'll give him a post here and there. But I don't think we're going to start seeing MVP type posts until majority of social media starts pushing that narrative. And this is no shot to to a Steph or to KD. They're both doing their thing right now. But I'm saying we need to spread out the love. I keep seeing Steph every time he's having a game. I see a Steph highlight, Steph highlight, Steph highlight. But when Dame's going on this run, you don't see him nowhere. He's just doing his thing so under the radar. And even when he we see him on national television, he's hitting the game winner. And people still don't give him that MVP love when they see what he's doing right now with his team being undermanned. And I also have to give credit for what he's doing with his team record. Fifth in the West, we talked about how hard this Western Conference was going to be this season, and they're fifth right now without two of the three best players, while Steph Curry is, uh, I think he's eighth or ninth right now in the Western Conference. They're eighth. Like, they eighth right now. So we got to give him more love than a Steph right now is what I would say. I understand how the, the algorithms and how media companies like to do it. I know Steph is a very popular player right now. He's having a tremendous season. But we got to spread out the love, my nigga. We got to spread out the love. Dame for MVP, and I'm going to stick to this train. And I I said this last week on how Steph just isn't that type of player that can fully carry a team on his back. And I gave that credit to other players due to the fact that their athleticism gives them that ability. Damian Lillard is more athletic than Steph Curry, and I would trust Dame Lillard to lead a team and put the team on his back over a Steph Curry because I feel Dame could just do more. Defensively, you could have an argument on who's better, but offensively they can give you the same thing, but Dame offers such a wider athleticism than Steph Curry does, and I feel that's why he can put the team on his back as much as he's doing right now. I can't see Steph doing the same thing. I agree with you last week, but now thinking about it, Steph is carrying his team, honestly. When Steph is not on the court, they are terrible when Steph is not on the court. So he's carrying carrying this Warriors team. I don't see it carrying to like the fifth, possibly the fourth seed. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised if they got there. They're only at the eighth, and they're only like a, a a game a game back right now. I'm not saying that's the problem. I think he's still carrying his team. I agree with you last week because when you think of carrying teams, you think of Russell Westbrook, you think of Harden, you think of Luka, players like that. But Steph is definitely carrying his team right now. It's just not in the same fashion of those style of players. He's more of the off the ball. He's not a point guard. He's not a ball-dominant guard like those other players we have seen. But just because he's not a- athletic doesn't mean he's not carrying his team right now. If this team didn't have Steph Curry, this team would be in a hell of a lot of trouble. And even if you put one of those other players on this team, I don't think this team is as good as what they are doing with their respective teams right now. If you put Dame in this situation, I don't know how Dame is doing because he doesn't have that same style of play as a Steph. And I think Steph's style of play works with this team. So I think he is carrying this team right now. And I think... I will put him in that carrying that carrying category right now. He's just not doing it the same way as the other players are doing it with the ball dominance. Because I don't think athleticism really comes into it because Trey's not athletic, but Trey is carrying the Hawks. 
You feel what I'm saying? Uh, who's not athletic? Like you but said, Dame is a crazy athletic. It's carrying off. Trey doesn't have a lot of help, but you got Clint Capella down there who y'all heard my argument on how well he's doing. You got Clint Capella down there and you got uh what you call it, who else? Um other names of Blake Collins. You got you got other pieces around you if you're Trey. So and everybody's healthy and they're your number two and number three players still. So I feel Trey, that argument might be a little bit different. Yes, he gets the numbers that he gets, but you still have your number two and number three option playing with you currently. All right. The comment is, if they swap teams, Curry will have Blazers in a way better predicament oh, right now. You, I you don't. I don't. Top three? Because that's um, the best situation right now, being a top three team in the West. They already five. So you saying Curry will have them better than fifth place? And I don't agree with that because his style of play would not work with this team. You have to have a different. You have a have a real IQ when playing with Steph Curry. And we've seen it with some of the players on this Warriors team right now, like the Oubre's, the Wiggins. When you're not used to playing with the Steph Curry, you look bad like they look bad earlier in the season because they just don't know how to play with them. You have to have an IQ. You have to know when to set picks. You got to know when to pass when it comes to a Steph Curry. But when you put him with a team where it's really a lot of ISO like the, like the Blazers play, it's not the same style. Yes, Curry can still get his buckets, but it wouldn't be at the same rate and it wouldn't be as exciting. So I don't think they will be in a better in a better position if Steph was with the Blazers they, because they those Blazers don't have the IQ. They would either be in the same place right there or um, below right now or below. Like I don't see them being any higher because especially, they, especially they ain't making this a top three team. I really don't. Especially without Nurkic and without a CJ. Are you telling me uh, Steph is carrying this team with the Gary Trents and Mellows to a fifth seed? Like I said, you have to have a different IQ. You don't have a Draymond on this Portland team who's really going to be the point guard like he has with the Warriors. Like it's a, it's, those are two different systems. So I don't think it can, you can just easily swap them like people think it is. They're, they're two different style of players. And uh, damn, that's it. All right, let's move on to the NBA double standards. Draymond has some comments uh, yesterday or the day before. I want you to dive into that, bro. Uh, yeah, basically, Draymond was saying how he he pointed out the uh, the Andre Drummond situation where Cleveland had him literally before the game take off his uniform, put street clothes on, and sit on the bench for the whole game because they're trying to preserve him and save his trade value. But they didn't take an account on how embarrassing that can be for the player. Like, you mean to tell me I'm coming to work and I want to play. It's not like I ain't trying to play. I want to play. But y'all telling me to put my regular clothes on and just sit on the bench? Like, y'all don't want me to touch the court that bad? Like, I, I feel Draymond was pointing that out and really trying to tell the media and all these owners that, look, the players need to have the same respect that the teams get. When the team wants to trade somebody, we don't say anything negative about it. Even if we do say something negative, it's not to the same level as if we saying something about a player who wants to leave. Like, when James Harden was doing everything he was doing to try and get out of Houston – there were a lot of people, me included, because I, I even said negative things about some of the ways he handled it. But everybody ate James Harden alive in the media with what he was doing, with how he was trying to leave. And nobody does that to the owners. Nobody does that to the teams. It's like they don't get the same level of respect when they want to leave as opposed to when the team is trying to make them leave. There's no reason a player should get fined for publicly saying that they want to get traded somewhere or they don't want to be on the team anymore. But a team can publicly say that they want to trade you or switch you for somebody else or anything like that. 
So I feel Draymond was 100% right with that. The players definitely need the same level of respect. And that goes for any NBA, NFL, MLB, all sports. Players need to have the same respect as the owners and the teams. Especially when a lot of these owners want to always bring it back to the contract. In a situation where Andre Drummond wants to play, you're sitting him down because you want to keep his trade value the same? That's what we're doing? If this was the other way around and Drummond didn't want to play, but y'all wanted him to play, this would have or didn't want to play and y'all wanted him to play, this would have been a whole different situation. Now y'all looking at Drummond crazy. Like, oh, why Drummond ain't playing? But since the owners are telling him to sit down, oh, they're getting a pass. And this was really slid under the rug until Draymond says something. And this has been going on for years now. And just think about it. If James Harden would have did the same thing Andre Drummond did, if he was about to play but went back in the locker room and came back out with street clothes on, think about how the media would have torn him apart. They would have killed Harden if he would have did that. Oh, my God. They would have killed Harden for that. They were like, this is not the way you go about it. This is not the way you get traded. This is not the third. They would have killed Harden. But when the owners tell Drummond to sit down, nobody says anything. So why is that a double standard like that? When, especially when a player has told you, like a James Harden has told you privately that he wants to get traded, you don't listen. And when he tells you publicly that he wants to get traded and he makes it a scene, he has to make it a scene to get traded, to just force himself out. The players don't want to make it a scene. They just have to make it a scene so they can get what they want. It has, it has to change in the NBA. And I admit I was wrong because I was one of the people who said I felt like he was devaluing his trade value by the way he was acting out, by the way he was the, – the attitude he had in the locker room um, coming from the news report saying how he was having troubles in the locker room before he left and everything. I was one of the people that spoke negatively about that on how you just need to be 100% committed until you get what you want. But now that we're finally getting the full scope of things and I can finally hear it from a player's point of view, I do understand now why that happens. And I do agree. Where they're in positions now where, hey, you have to act out. That's the only way they're going to get you what you want. Until that changes, and it does need to change, that's just the way it's going to be. We're going to act out if for y'all to give us what we want, unless y'all just want to handle this professionally like we should and give us the same respect. Until then, we're going to give y'all the middle finger and act how we want to act. That's what I'm saying. Because Just don't think that the players just immediately go to just public, I want to get out of here. It's always a private talk to the GM like, hey, get me out of here. And once that, once the, the player says that, it should be immediate cause. It shouldn't have to come to, I'm making a scene. But these GMs don't want to listen until you make it a scene. That's when they want to listen. It's like, oh, okay. Now we got to start making some calls now. And it's the fact that the players privately try to go to the to the um front office to try and get traded, but the front office never come to the players when they're trying to trade them. And that's the mm. problem. Like you'll find I heard uh I think he said DeMarcus Cousins got traded like during the All-Star game or something like that. Or Dwayne Wade even pointed out the fact that he he knows somebody one time they were at the gas station and somebody ran up to them with a phone saying they got traded. Like yeah. what? Serious, like so. Imagine being a top, not just a bench player, being a star player, a bench player, like on the reserve list or whatever, and you don't even find out from the team. You find out from a fan that you got traded. Like that makes no. Sense. And a lot of these players find out on social media as well, just like us. Yeah. When we see whoa tweet, that's when they find out as well, bro. Yeah. So it's crazy that it's funny how they do you so dirty, but they want it to be clean on their side. Professional. They want. Yeah, but y'all doing me just the same way. Right. But y'all get a pass for it, but we get criticized for it in the media. 
the Dumbo stand. That's what we're talking about right now. And that's why I was talking about the Jimmy Butler's got criticized when he was acting out when he tried to leave from Minnesota, the James Hardens. And it's, this is the same thing that happened with Kyrie. So the rumor really became when Kyrie uh, went away for that week, I think when he didn't play games, he heard his name in trade rumors. And he really had to devalue himself because he didn't want to get traded for James Harden. He, it was about to be a James Harden for Kyrie swap, and Kyrie didn't want that to happen. So that's why he stepped away from the team. He said it was mental health, but the rumor is that he didn't want to get traded. And that's what it has to become. You have to make a scene so you can get what you want. And Kyrie had that was Kyrie's scene. Do I agree with, uh, on how he went about it? No, but that's what he had to do to get what he wanted, especially when he signed to your team Oh, not only wasn't even a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, he linked up with y'all for five years to stay with your team. But you're going to trade him in year two when this was supposed to be your championship. He was supposed to be a part of your championship core. It's like, damn, y'all doing me dirty. I just signed with y'all. Brooklyn ain't been shit in years. Exactly. Now I linked on with y'all for five years. Now you're trying to trade me. It's like, damn. So now I understand it now more from Kyrie's perspective. I still don't agree on how he handled it, but I understand it now from his perspective, bro. He don't want to get traded, especially when he came for Kevin Durant. Now I'm going to get traded to the Rockets for something. It's like, what the hell going on, bro? I Shit agree. don't make sense. Shit right. just don't make sense, bro. So the NBA will do you dirty, bro. And that's just that, the way it is. And it has to change, though. It has to change. Yeah, just because it's something we used to, that doesn't mean it's what it should be. Exactly. If somebody comes to you probably, we can't live live in the same mentality of just because you were drafted with a team, you're supposed to spend most of your most of your career there. If that team isn't working out and isn't playing good, I should be able to go to the gym and say, hey, I gave this my fullest try. Let's get out of here. Let me get out of here. You know what I'm saying? You can get a, a good haul for whoever you trade me to. And let's just cut ties because this just isn't working out from both sides. And it can just be that. And I think that's what should become the interaction moving forward. If they come to you privately, ask for a trade, let's let's get this junk moving. Especially when you see the person is giving it his all on the court and you're not getting any results when it comes to wins. Let's get this trades moving, bro. So definitely, definitely has to change. So I commend Draymond for that because it had to be said. So I'm glad he came out and said it. Let's move on to Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers. So AD had left the game, I think, a, a few days ago with an Achilles injury. They say he's going to be out for two to three weeks. They say he won't be back until after the All-Star break. So how do you feel like this break or this time without AD will affect the Lakers? It's going to affect the Lakers in two ways, I feel. The first way, LeBron, this is your chance to build the strongest MVP case for the season. I, I feel that's truly the first um, big thing to notice. Uh, Brian, you without your, your Batman without Robin right now, you know, and I pointed out the fact on why Brian has been the one taking off in the season so far, because I felt something like this would happen if AD started getting the ball rolling early. LeBron, 36-year-old LeBron, took the took the opportunity to say, look, I'm the oldest player that I'm, – I'm probably the last player that needs to give 100% this early, but I'll do that because I know you're more injury-prone. That's why we've been seeing Braun with this MVP-type performance and Anthony Davis just been chilling. But the moment Anthony Davis tried to get his ball rolling, boom, this happens. So, Braun, this is your chance to really build your MVP case. And then the second thing I wanted to point out, this is a chance to honestly give the Lakers a chance to really build chemistry and to fight, figure out who else can be the next man up. Because with Braun and AD both touching the floor, it's like you always got that, that security blanket. That if everything else failing – one of them finna clean it up. Well, now one of them is out of the picture at the moment. So these next three or four weeks, this is the chance to see who else can step up and who else can consistently 
be that third option or that fourth option. So how do you feel like it will affect them in terms of wins? Like, do you affect, do you think it will, how far do you think they will slide down the rankings? Well, I think they're, they're currently second right now in the West. So I don't see them falling any lower than fifth. And the only reason I even think they'll fall that low is just because the top, um, the top four to five seeds, like there, there's only like a two, maybe three game difference between all of them. So if they do drop, it'll be no lower than five. I still feel like they can end the season as a top three team once AD comes back. So I don't see them dropping too far. It's just a chance to build chemistry, honestly, for the rest of the team. I think it hurts them most defensively. Obviously, when you lose a defensive player of the year candidate, you're going to lose a lot when it comes to defense. But they don't have any rim protection like they had a season ago. Last year, they had a Dwight Howard, a JaVale McGee. So even when Anthony Davis was out, you were always fine when it came to paint protection. This year, they don't have those type of rim protectors this year. Like other than Mark Gasol, who's not really a rim protector, he's just a good body-to-body uh, -body defender. You really have nobody. Montrez Harrell, he's not a, a good uh, rim defender. He really get ate up on defense a lot. So you have to rely on Montrez, and Montrez has to step up defensively if they want to continue to win throughout the, uh, this time without AD. So I feel like that's going to be the biggest punch. Offensively, you got Bron, and when, if you just get Bron shooters, like he's fine offensively. But defensively, they're going to give up a lot of points, as I really feel. They're going to give up a lot of points without AD, man, because the defense is just not the same as last year. We can't say the time without AD last year, they were still winning games because the rim protection in the team was way different with the JaVale and Dwight's. I know we try to overlook their presence, but those were, those were key players to that championship team, and they do not have that this season. And honestly, that's something that I think will hurt them, possibly hurt them come playoff time as well, with not having that rim protection, especially if the AD is shaking up. And I, I do agree with that point because right now the Lakers are, I think, second in points allowed in the whole league right now. So I definitely see that dropping. Um, I don't know how much, but they're only allowing like, what, 102 points a game really? So maybe that'll probably go up to 110 points a game because of the fact that you'll get more inside the paint points now. But hopefully it doesn't affect them too bad. Like I said, hopefully the next man can step up and show some sign of security other than Bron and AD. I honestly think Bron, I'm worried they're going to try to tick Bron minutes up a little bit. And I, ho I hope they don't do that because I don't think they have to. Because I think if you give – people got to understand, I really think Taylor Horton Tucker – is going to be a stud in this oh, yeah. league, and, and I think he will get. I think he will start to get more minutes. So I think this injury will be big for his confidence. Him and Kuzma have to step up during this time. I think Kuzma gonna get his buckets, but I really think Taylor Horton Tucker will show everybody that he can be a potential star in this league if he continues on this trajectory. So he's gonna show a lot of potential throughout this run without AD. So he's gonna have some buckets. So I don't think you have to tick LeBron's minutes up too much, uh, honestly to win games because I think Taylor Horn Tucker is really that good. So definitely watch out for him during this time without AD. Let's move on to Jalen Johnson. Duke's power forward has opted out with three weeks left in the season. He said, I'm out of here. We're not going to the tournament. It's really pointless. I'm a top 10 pick. I don't have to be here. So he just decided to bounce. A lot of people getting a lot of backlash because people say he quit on his team, but I don't think that's the case. So how do you feel about it? I feel it's a health reason, so I don't really judge him too much on that. Like you said, everyone knows he's an automatic first round top um, top 10 pick, top six, seven pick, honestly. So I feel it's the best interest for your career. I know I'm always the one that say you always have to you have to weigh it out. Is it worth giving up on your team 
or is there more siding towards choosing your future? You know, and I feel like he chose the best situation possible for himself. Duke is not in the top 25 this year. Uh, not even close. Like, them niggas ass this year, yeah, bro. Like them niggas ass. I don't even yeah. think they're making the tournament, so why keep playing? And it's only like, what, three weeks left? Like, if that. Yeah. So, so I, I feel he chose the best option for himself right now. Granted, if you're on a t- if it's if it's a different situation, like let's say you're on a team that's ranked top 25 in the nation, you're gonna make the tournament, you have a chance to possibly go all the way, and then you opt out, then I'm like, uh nah, you kind of quitting at that point. Like, why do that to the team? Because if you're that great, you can like potentially mess up the entire team's chance to go all the way. But this isn't that situation, and it's a health situation, like I said. So I agree with Johnson. Honestly, I think people are looking at it too too much in a window. If you look at the whole season and realize that he came back from a um, a foot injury, like I want to say he came back from a foot injury like a month ago and still continued to play after that injury, you would not realize that he's quitting on his team and that he's just thinking about his future. People are just looking at it that he's quitting three weeks until the season ends. But it's just like, nah, like it's still it's the whole you have to look at the whole season, bro. When you look at the whole season, it's like he had to overcome injury the whole season. He had a couple of slow starts. It's just like it's better for him to just go to the league right now. It's like he's wasting his time at this point. Wait, what more does he have to gain? When you already are a solidified top 10 pick, what do you have to gain? What is he playing for? Especially when your team is trash like this. My biggest question is, will this become a trend? Because we've seen this in college football happen at one point. I don't forget who was the first person to start in college football, but a lot of people stopped playing bowl games. And then, especially during this pandemic season, we have seen people uh, jump out even earlier mid-season and say, I'm going to go to the NFL. I'm not even going to try to play during this pandemic anyways. So do you think this will continue moving forward for college basketball? I think it'll continue for teams that clearly don't have a chance like i said in the example if you're on a team that has a chance to do well in march madness and possibly make it to the final four maybe to the championship game then it's like don't don't quit on the team because you might be you're you're probably the catalyst that's helping the team get that far and then if you say all right i'm i'm holding out because i don't want to get hurt i want to protect my draft stock and then what if the team just does horribly for the rest of the tournament it's like, damn, like you almost sabotaged the team at that point. So for teams that aren't doing well, mm-hmm. like, no, bro, because like right now with mm-hmm. Gonzaga, what if we're talking about Jalen Suggs right now? Like, and he, I'm talking about a middling team. I'm talking about a middling team. I ain't talking well, about what, what I'm saying. Like, it don't, it don't matter because I could get upset in, in, in March Madness. They, they're, they're borderline. They're not borderline to get upset, but it's a possibility that the number one team could get upset. So any team in the top 25. But I wouldn't be mad at Jalen Suggs. If Jalen Suggs right now was to say, man, I feel like I'm going to get hurt. Or if he has some type of injury where he feels like, I don't know if I should be playing right now. Or if he's just worried about the pandemic, I would not be mad at him, especially during these times. If he was to say, hey, I got to think about my future. I'm a top five pick. I got to get out of here. I know we have a good chance of winning, coach. I understand that. But as a coach, you have to understand, like, bro, I got millions on the line here. I got millions on the line, and I have to protect that first before a college, especially in this type of time, bro. You have to think about yourself. You got to think about number one. And if you're thinking about yourself and think about the league, you got to go do that. So if Suggs had some injury, some type of knickknack, or he worried about the pandemic and he left, I wouldn't be mad at him for leaving. I really wouldn't. But if that ha- if that starts happening with teams that have a chance to win or at least get to the championship, 
we're going to lose value in March Madness if teams really start doing that. Like, because what if the top players of the best teams really start pulling out? Before? I don't think that I don't think that will happen, though. Like, that's I, what I, like, I, I hope it I'm talking about, I'm talking about middle and team. So if you're barely, you don't know if you're like, really like going to make the playoffs. Like so like the Iowa, Iowa Alabama. Remember how I said yeah. Iowa dropped, but they're still top 25? They, they top 25. And they don't really have no top prospects. So I'm thinking about, like, a Ben Simmons situation. So when Ben Simmons was uh, in college, like, they were like a fringe. Like, they could have gotten into the NCAA tournament, but they ended up not getting in. So if Ben Simmons, ben Simmons three weeks before the season ended said, man, like, you know what I'm Even though we have a chance to get in, I'm going to think about my future, but at the end of the day, because I don't want to risk injury anymore on this up and down team. I'm going to just go to the league and just work on myself. I ain't got to worry about school, none of that bullshit. So if Ben Simmons left with three weeks left, can I, I cannot be mad at Ben Simmons yeah, for leaving. Like you just said, it, it's like we're up and down and we might get in, we might not. That's a totally different situation than being on a team where you know for a fact you all are that great and you know you're going to be in the tournament. Oh, yeah. I don't think it happens for the top teams. I'm talking about the middling teams. Oh, and you yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And you like yeah. oh, I don't know. Yeah, middling teams where you might or might not get in and trash teams where you know you're not going to get in, all, I'm all for that. I'm all for you choosing your future over the team at that point. But if you're, I totally disagree if you're on a team that's borderline championship bound, like don't leave the team in that aspect because it's like, bro. Oh, I wouldn't be mad at him regardless. But even if this, <laughs> even if Jalen Suss was to come out tomorrow and say, hey, I'm, I'm done for the season. If he, if he came out with an ankle injury and said, I'm not playing no more, like, <laughs> I'm not mad at Jalen Suggs. Get your money. Get your money at the end of the day because your coach going to try to get you to play. If it's an injury reason for a top 25 player or for a player on the top 25 team, if it's an injury reason, that's okay. I'll let that slide. But if you just saying I don't want to play because I just want to save myself, then it's like you you kind of messing up March Madness at that point. Give a fuck. I'm gonna think about my millions, nigga. I don't give a damn about this team. I gotta think about my millions. But like I said, bro, what if multiple players in this let's say 10 players in the same year on top 25 teams, 10 players of the best teams decide we're not gonna play. Are we really finna hold that much value in March Madness anymore at that point? Like the March, Madness, March Madness will still be great, but those 10 teams just gonna have to suffer. And that's yeah, that. March Madness is gonna be March Madness regardless. Yeah, but it, it's not gonna be the same because you're not seeing it's the great. best talent play. Like, even though you're seeing the best teams, you're not seeing the best talent on the best teams play. That's all I'm saying. I'm thinking from a from a um a broadcast standpoint, from a fan standpoint, from a when it comes to March Madness, bro, that talent shit really does not matter. We've seen teams like Butler get to the final four, and their talent was not crazy. They had, but the team came together, and that's what pushed them to get to the finals. Still, bro. Or to the championship game. It don't matter when it comes to talent. I can see a Butler versus a, a UConn when a talent ain't great, but the game gonna be fired because those two teams have the chemistry to come together on a tournament run. I've seen not so talented teams get together and have a championship run. Then, the talent isn't that crazy. And then you got to think of the betting standpoint. Like, what if, like, what if people start going to Vegas and putting money on these teams? We think it too deep at this bro, point. When we talking about betting. I don't, bro. If I'm a one of those players, I don't give a fuck about none of that. If I'm working about these millions, bro, I ain't thinking about the players. Thinking about that, I'm talking about like us. We have to think about what if, what if people going to Vegas putting all this money on this team. And then the top player on that team who's giving them a chance to get to the championship, they back out. Now you got thousands of dollars online, maybe millions, depending on how much money you betting. You you put all that money on an empty bet at that point. Like, mm -hmm. come on now. Like, you got to – the NCAA got to think about it in that standpoint. Vegas got to think about it in that standpoint. The higher-ups, they're all thinking about it in that aspect of, hey, 
this is gonna mess up our money opportunity with March Madness. Y'all eating all the y'all eating off of us anyway. I'm not getting paid to play. I'm telling you, I'm, I I don't agree with that. I'm just telling you that's what these higher ups are thinking. That's what the NCAA people are thinking. That's what the Vegas people are thinking. From a viewership standpoint, from a money grabbing aspect, it's like they they're not gonna let this happen. At least that's not why, and that's why we're not gonna have stars in college basketball in a, in a couple of years. We're not gonna have stars in college basketball because of that reason. Because they don't want to pay players, players are going to go straight to the G League, straight to overseas, and find other options other than what's going on right now. That's what I'm saying. Because y'all talking about betting, y'all talking about the higher-ups and all that bullshit. That's why in a couple of years, the NCAA will be devalued because these stars will not be going to college like that no more. They will go into the G League to develop first or go to overseas to develop then. Because look, y'all talking about too much. Y'all talking about all of that bullshit. If I'm the player, I'm just worried about getting to the NBA. Oh yeah, the, and get the my player. Don't be worried about the NBA. I'm just I, I, the rest of us have to think about that. That that's oh, yeah. that's what the outside is thinking. Other than the player, the player is thinking I gotta get I gotta get that's my money. So I, I, don't, I don't care what nobody talking. If I'm the player, I don't care what nobody talking about. As long as me and my family know that right. I'm secure at this position in the draft, I don't care what nobody talking about. I don't care how the higher ups. I don't care how the fans feel. I got to get my money. And I can't blame you for picking yourself over the team. I can't cho- I can't be mad at that. And that's why I love uh, somebody like a Coach Cal so much because Coach Cal, he's a coach that really understands that. If he knows you have a money on the line, like Coach K would tell you, not Coach K, but Coach Cal would tell you, bro, sit out. Like, go to the draft. Like, I don't care about none of that. Get your money. And Coach Cal is somebody who's big on getting your money, bro. Don't come back to school if you're a first-round pick. Get your money. So that's why I love Coach Cal so much because he understands that. A lot of these coaches, they want to win games like you're talking about. They don't want their best players to to uh, to leave and go get the money. But Coach Cal understands, bro, get your money because that's what's important and that's what needs to happen, bro, to secure your financial future. But a lot of coaches won't ha- understand that. A lot of coaches will feel like you. Like, damn, you abandoning the team. But some coaches will feel like, hey, he, he I, got, I have to understand what he's doing. I have to understand he has to get his money. And he don't want to risk it. You feel what I'm saying? So that's just how I feel about it. Let's move on to Deshaun Watson, more Deshaun Watson news. So this was the recent trade. They were talking about Deshaun Watson could end up going to the Panthers. They said that the Panthers are offering Christian McCaffrey and three first-round picks for a Deshaun Watson. Do you think that's fair? And would you take that if you're Houston? If I'm Houston, hell yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> Houston. That's a clean-ass trade. No cap. The only way they could go is up. So, And this is definitely up times 10. So I'll definitely take that. If you get Christian McCaffrey and three first-rounders, it's like you rebuilding at the fastest pace possible right now. And you're, you're miles ahead of the Jets with rebuilding. You're miles ahead of the Dolphins. You are no longer in last place for rebuilding your franchise in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey can win you games if you got to – average or below average quarterback and those three first round picks and um depending on uh what side of the ball they want to try and rebuild first like you can't go wrong with any pick that you have at this point if you're houston you need defensive picks because jj Watt is now leaving and your secondary is ass so (laughs) (laughs) and you need a quarterback still Mm -hmm. you need a quarterback and you need receiving options because you got rid of deandre hopkins and i don't trust will fuller to be your number one option at all so yeah, the only trade I would take over this if I was to get a Tua and three first. That's the only thing I would really take over this because I would get a, a secure quarterback and a Tua and I'm getting three firsts, third, three firsts to build on top of that. I'm taking that if I'm a, if I'm a Houston. But if I don't get that from Miami, I'm definitely taking this one. You get one of the best running backs in the league and three firsts for Deshaun? But how do you feel like it will fit in Carolina? Do you think that's a good fit with Deshaun Watson? 
They have good wide receivers. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel. I don't know. I think it's mm, the Saints are the Falcons are the Falcons. I ain't worried about them. Uh, the Saints are in the air right now, and the Bucks reigning Super Bowl champion. So you wouldn't be walking into a great division if you Deshaun. You definitely walking into a, a fight for real for first place in the division. Hell, Deshaun taking yeah. over y'all shit. Nah, you finna end up pulling out old Panthers jerseys. If you go, somebody wearing number one and put Watson on the back. <laughs> facts, 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 uh, facts. But he'll definitely be walking into a tough division, so I don't think it'll be a perfect situation for Carolina. Well, for Carolina, you get Deshaun, so you think it's perfect, but for Deshaun, it's like. Mm, just do what you can with the division that you're going to be in. And hopefully Carolina can give you better pieces than what Houston has been doing. Yeah. But you're, Carolina. You're in a better situation though. Oh, most definitely than Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do like Carolina more than Houston, but the, the three first for Carolina, that's a lot to give up as well, because they have a lot of holes on defense too. Right. Because I don't forget who we was talking about last week. Oh, we was talking about the Raiders last week about right. the Raiders having a lot of holes and the Carolina has a lot of holes as well. Not as much as the Raiders, but they do have some holes that they have to piece up. So hopefully they can fill it out with some second, third and fourth round picks. But Hey, if I'm getting the Sean Watson, nigga, I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> exactly. And they got some building pieces exactly. on, uh, on defense with uh, the Brian Burns and uh, Jeremy Chen. So I would be happy with that if I'm Carolina, bro, but you give it up CMC. He's the heart of Carolina, but I would be fine. <laughs> but I would be fine. I ain't gonna lie to you. You're trading, you're trading the franchise player for a new franchise player. Like that's all you're doing. <laughs> Hold on, I ain't get my dog Denisha in here. I don't feel like that's fair to the teams, good or bad team. If it's an injury, cool. But if not, it ain't fair. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But it yeah. don't matter if it ain't fair, Denisha. It just matter who. It just matter what the player is trying to think about with his future and his if future success and money. If the team is bad, I don't think it's it don't matter if it's fair or not. It, it really don't matter. Cause if the team bad, what am what am I hurting by not playing them? Or y'all ain't making the tournament anyway, whether I play or not. But if the team is good, you got a chance to and you know you're making the tournament and you you can pull a Cinderella story out your ass, or you might already be a top 10 team. If you ain't hurt, I don't feel like you should do it. That's my only thing. It, it's a case by case situation. Are you hurt? And where does your team stand? Those are the two questions I'll pose to every player. I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, bro. Let's move on to two wild Wednesday. Yes, sir. All right. Let me see, man. What you got for the day, man? What you got for the day? Damn, I thought first, I had to pull it up. The, the first couple, um, I put because of what you said for the radio thing. Oh, yeah. I see. I see it now. Yeah. Oh, the first one. The Phoenix Suns are the biggest threat to the Lakers in the West. Too wild or not too wild? I said too wild because I feel like the Utah Jazz are the biggest threat to the Los Angeles Lakers. They're the best team in basketball right now, record-wise anyway. And this team is playing crazy, bro. A top three team and points allowed. The point on their plus-minus difference is crazy right now. I just feel like Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and the rest of these boys, they are playing special, bro. That – that chemistry is there. Same like same group from last season. Um, like you said yesterday, they they got it, bro. I feel like Utah. This is their year to really push to try and get to the finals. Honestly. So 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 Donovan Mitchell can be your number one on the championship yeah. team. Hell yeah! Is that what we saying? Definitely. So that's what we when we say when we say 
the Utah Jazz right. are finals right. contenders or whatever. We're saying that Donovan Mitchell is a number one and can carry you to the finals. Spider Mitchell can be your number one. The spider can be your number one. I'm telling you right. That now. is the question of the day. Is Donovan Mitchell and can Donovan Mitchell be a number one on the championship? Right, I'll put I'll put that poll up when we're done. That that is the question of the day. I think this is uh, not too wild. Uh, even though even though the Phoenix Suns got came back on by the Nets yesterday, I do think they have been playing well and they have a lot of pieces. And I do think that I said this because I thought they were gonna have a Blake Griffin coming through as well. That's really why I had said this. If they get Blake Griffin on this team because he's talked about of getting as getting uh what traded and bought out. So if he get bought out, I think the Suns is a good landing spot for them. And if he's willing to come off the bench, shit, even start because he can shoot now. A lot of people don't know shoot break and shoot now. So if, even if he's came to Phoenix, I think that is a championship team, and that would be would that knock off the Lakers? But let, let me ask I don't know. You, That's tough. Let me ask you this: even if they don't get a, a Blake or Andre Drummond or whatever, the squad they got now versus a Lakers team, either either without without Anthony Davis or with the eighty five percent Anthony Davis, do you think they could? still possibly dethroned as constructed right now like right now right now no no they're they're like right now they're a second round team they get to the second round they probably lose into a ooh. i I, I was about to say the clippers but i don't know i really like the suns like i don't want anybody to think i'm trying to knock the suns i've been um advocating for the suns for the past season and a half now i've been saying they've been on the upswing for a while and i'm really proud to see what they're doing now especially when once they got cp3 I just honestly feel like Utah is the biggest threat to L.A. right now as far as getting to the finals out the West. I can't believe in Utah, bro. I was about to say something. I forgot what I was about to say. This team, this oh, somebody has said it yesterday, that they are the 2016 Hawks. They are really the 2016 Hawks. They're going to have a good regular season. they got a good coach. Everybody is it's pretty balanced. Obviously, you know who the best player is, but the team is basically pretty balanced for the most part. But. The Hawks could have lost in that first round. I forgot who the Hawks uh, played in that first round, but they could have lost in that first round. It was a tough, tough tread to get to that conference finals where they eventually lost to, I think they lost to LeBron in the conference finals. So it's going to be a tough tread for this Utah Jazz team because a lot of people will be out there next. And I'm, I'm somebody who really thinks that the Denver Nuggets can still beat the Utah Jazz, and even if they see them in the first or the second round. Because I do not think... Gobert can stop Jokic at all. <laughs> he can't stop Jokic. And he can't, honestly, Gobert can't stop a lot of centers in the league. He's a good help side defender who can block shots from help side. But if you go at him one-on-one, you can really eat him up. Like an MB can eat him up. Like a, a Jokic, who, when you're aggressive against a Gobert, you can eat him up. And that's why I think somebody who has a good defensive, not good defensive, but a good offensive center can really attack him and can really slow the pace down and don't get in that open space like Utah wants to be in. I don't know, bro. I don't know. Utah top five defense in the NBA right now. We can't ignore this. We just can't. I just told you what. If you, if you go at Gobert, that's the key. Gobert blocking shots right now is the key. If you have somebody to occupy Gobert like a Jokic, that effectiveness is not the same. That effectiveness is not the same. That's why I always bring up Denver. Denver is the one team I look at that can really stop a Utah. Will they be um, a Clippers? Maybe. Will they be the Suns in the playoffs? Maybe. Because those teams, shit, maybe Aiden can go at them. But I'm really looking at Jokic because that interior presence in the Western Conference, that can really attack him. Uh, All right, let's move on to the next one. And that was 66% too wild. Oh, okay, okay. 
Because I'm, I'm pretty sure they thought, yeah, as constructed. And I, yeah, I really meant that as the Blake Griffin trade. Okay. The Boston Celtics won't make it past the first round of the playoffs. Too wild or not too wild? Not too wild. This was close as hell, actually. I, I did not expect this to be as close. Because as they're playing terrible. <laughs> I did not expect this to be so close. It's 52% too wild, 48% not too wild. That's crazy. I said not too wild because of uh, I'll let you dive more into it, but you were talking about how terrible they're playing right now, how a lot of teams in the East have very similar records, and Boston is usually a mile ahead of everybody, and they're playing like a middle of the pack, below the middle of the pack team right now. They're shooting terrible from outside the arc. It's just the, the chemistry of the team isn't clicking right now. I don't know what's happened over the past two weeks, two and a half weeks now, but it just hasn't been what we're used to seeing from Boston, so not too wild in my opinion. I was just saying that they're too dependent on a Jalen Brown and a Jason Tatum to get them far. They're way too dependent on them, and they don't have the support cast that I think they need to really push forward in the playoffs. Uh, a Kimba, obviously, he's come back from his knee injury this year. He has been shaky, and I'm starting to hear a lot more rumors ever since I said it. I've been hearing a lot more rumors of people really wanting to see a trade or Kimba get traded away for maybe a big man in that Rondo type of uh, point guard that I think they need and a backup point guard, something along those lines for Kimball because they want to see something different with it. I thought this was going to be an after-the-season issue, but it looks like a lot of fans want that change to be or to happen right now. So I think a lot of stir. I think a Kimball could be hearing that, and that could possibly be affecting his play, or maybe that his, it's his uh, knee injury. But they're just not the same Boston team that we seen at the end of last year and right. uh, at the beginning of this year as well. It's just not the same team, bro. And they're way too, de too dependent on Tatum and Brown, bro. Way too dependent. And that was 52% too wild. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, let's move on to the next one. Professional athletes should get paid when they take off for mental health days. Too wild or not too wild? I said not too wild. Uh, shout out to my friend Jasmine, Jasmine Harper on Go Gators. Uh, she came up with this uh, poll because she seen it on first take, I think, today when uh, they had Spike Lee on there. They kind of talked about it. So she made a poll of it on Twitter. So I borrowed the poll from her. I totally agree that athletes should get paid when taking off for mental health days. However, there needs to still be some regulation. Every, play every player can't just be like Kyrie and just go AWOL and just not say anything and take off a week and miss like two to three games for mental health. Although mental health is very important, I feel like if the NBA wants to truly help with these players, I feel creating a system of PTO, like days similar to PTO, to where you get a certain amount of days for the season, like how for a job you get a certain amount of days for the year where you get to take off and be paid. And I said they should come up with a system of like, let's say three weeks, 21 days. You don't have to use all 21 days. If you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. But every player whether you're a starter or not, you should get 21 days for your mental health. And it's cool if you want to take back-to-back. -back. If you want to take back-to-back -back days, cool. If you want to take a game here off and a game the next week, however you want to do it. I feel they should come up with a system for that. And a regulation should be you can't do it come playoff time. Like, come playoff time, I feel they That's when the most criticism happens. <laughs> that's when the most criticism happens. Shit, that's yeah, when your mental health really get tested. But I feel like it should really just be a, a regular season type thing because come playoff time, like it truly is win or go home. Like there is no, oh, we got a game next week for sure. We got a game this day for sure. Come playoff time, I don't feel you should have that opportunity, but for regular season for sure. Anything over three weeks, no, I just feel you shouldn't even play at that point. 
mental health does not care that it is the playoffs. But what I would say to that is, what if a player isn't out of his mental funk in a 21 days? Right? What if this year prolongs the 21 days oh, and, and they, he needs more time than that? You should be able to opt out for the season because if you need more than 21 days, like you're missing like majority of the season at that point. Like not majority, but you're missing damn near a third of the season. If you want to miss over a third of the season, I just feel you shouldn't play at all because it's like if your mental health is that serious to where you need more than a month to get right in the head, just don't play that season. You should be able to opt out, and depending on the case scenario, you should get your whole check for that season. Mm. I think it should be a week at a time type of thing. Like you could just get like a week off or something like that. Not too many, probably like two weeks. I would give the players, but that's that's about it though. But you can get paid for those two weeks. Nothing crazy. Like twenty one days even feel extreme to me. Like damn, that's a lot of time. Cause how long is the NBA season? Uh, like what? Four? Not four. Is that November, uh, December, five, January? Cause you got part of well, all of November, all of December, January, February, March, April, May, June. Damn. God, that, that's if you get to the finals, though. Well, I'm, I'm just counting the whole season. The whole so six, damn. Six months. Six months. At least six months if you don't make the playoffs. Damn. Two weeks. Is that enough? And I'm not even counting part of October. So mm. Two weeks should be good, though. Like you said, if you need more than two weeks, then. I, I said, I said oh, three. yeah. I gave them three, 21 days. I feel like that's a good range. I'm glad days. we're having this conversation, though, because mental health is becoming something that is becoming more prevalent in the NBA or in all sports. So I'm glad that this is becoming a conversation. But but two weeks should be fine. If you need more than that, then you really need to talk to a therapist or something to get your mind right so you can get back playing. But I don't think it should be a limit on the playoffs, though. Like Especially what, when we seen it in the bubble last year, we seen how much criticism are on these players throughout the playoffs. It shouldn't just be a limit to regular season. Especially when most of the criticism comes in the playoffs when all of the eyes are on you. So, shit, that's when the most of the criticism comes. It's just like, if a nigga want to take a, a game off here because he just feel like it's too much on his mental during the playoffs, it's like, hey, I'm doing I it for my mental health. Can you really blame a nigga? I don't know. Come playoff time, it's just that's an entirely different situation, bro. Because what if, let's say, let's say we're, we're fast forward into um, to the Eastern Conference Finals right now. Let's say Kyrie is the best player throughout all the playoffs all the way through the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's game six of the Eastern Conference Finals. And they have a chance to either win it and move on to the finals or if they lose to whoever, they got to play an extra game. What if Kyrie, being the best player throughout all the playoffs, says, I don't want to play game six because my mental health is taking a toll on me. And Brooklyn ends up losing that game six. Are we looking at it in a different light then? Like, damn, are we? do we need to allow them to do this during the playoffs? Because that can be an entire momentum shift. But I'm, I'm assuming if he's having mental health issues, he won't be playing like the same player, though. Like, that really fucks with a player. And I think we've seen that with Paul George. Like, you're not getting the same player on the court if that mental health is really taking but, a toll on you, bro. But it is different for every player. Maybe maybe the mental health will help you play. But even if you're having troubles mentally, it might help you play better because basketball might be your positive outlet. Or, like you said, with Paul George, it might make you play worse. We can't assume that it'll make you play worse. I don't know. I think it's a case-by-case basis. But if Kyrie was to come to me in game six and say, I need a mental health day, it's like you have to you have to listen to Kyrie. If he says he needs a mental health, you have to listen to him. Even though the stakes are high, we understand all that. If he needs this for his mental health to be the same type of player you need in game seven, you have to let that rock. You have to let it rock, bro. You have to. Even though he's been your best player and all that, you have to rely on your other players to step up. 
because he needs this day, obviously, because all of this is taking a toll on him. He's been your best player. He's taking so much of the load. It's like, damn, even though it's the playoffs, it's, it's Kyrie. We have to give him this day, bro. And I honestly don't think people play the same if they got this toll on them. Even though you said uh, it's not with everybody like it was with Paul George, I think it really it takes a toll on you, though. It really takes a toll. All right, let's move on to the next one. Nikola Jokic is no longer a top three MVP candidate. Too wild or not too wild? Not too wild. I honestly feel you said it earlier. Uh, right now, honestly, Dame, Braun, and who else said Joel Embiid? Yep. Yep, the, those would be the top three right now. If I if I have to give a unanimous type of answer with everybody's opinion, those would be the top three. I still got Steph in mind. I got Braun in mind. And Dame would be in my top three as well right now. Joel Embiid and Jokic will follow after. But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree right now with the poll. Nikola Jokic should not be a top three MVP candidate, even though he's putting up crazy numbers right now. His team is what seventh right now. They they fall in the seventh. They were like fourth or fifth earlier in the season, and now they've fallen all the way to seventh, right above the Warriors. So you can kind of say him and Steph are in the same boat. Y'all putting up the numbers, but where's the team ranked right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, not too wild. All right, next one. The Tampa Bay Bucks will get either JJ Watt or oh, excuse me, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, not too wild. I feel will out of those two. I've been hearing a lot more rumors about Odell uh, due to the fact that Chris Godwin wants a big payday. Uh, you've talked about how you don't think Antonio Brown will stay. So if either of them or both of them end up wanting to walk, getting Odell to pair up with Mike Evans, that'll be a great situation. I think J.J. Watt will be more easier to get, being that I don't think he would want that big type of contract, especially you would need him after if Shaquille Barrett were to leave, you would need that type of defensive end presence like a J.J. Watt could bring. And I don't think – I mean, Odell's still getting paid money. He's still getting paid like $18 million. So do the Bucks even want to pay that? And do the Browns want to trade him? Like we, we are, we're talking about this from the Bucks' perspective, but we never look at it from the Browns' perspective. Like they just had a great season without him. Now do they want to see how it looks with Baker Mayfield being improved and with the up, um, upgraded wide receiving core? Like do they want to see uh, see how it works with this team now with everybody being improved and upgraded? I think they, they, ah, that's what they want to see now. So I say it would be uh, J.J. Watt before anything else. But uh, not too wild, though. Not too wild. And that was 53% too wild. Next one. The Denver Broncos should go after Cam Newton. Too wild or not too wild? Not too wild. And the reason I say this is because the receiver core they have is great right now. You got Jerry Judy along with the rest of these cats right now. So the receiving core is there. Vaughn Miller is going to come back next season healthy, and that defense is still pretty stout. Uh, and the quarterback situation, Drew Locke ain't getting paid that much, and the other two quarterbacks on the list getting paid shit to nothing. So why not bring Cam in? You ain't got to sign Cam to a big contract because he, he ain't going to require that much money right now. He ain't have a spectacular season in New England, so you ain't got to throw a huge bag at him. And I think Denver has, what, 20, 22, 23 mil in cap space right now? So it'll be a great situation for um Cam and for Denver. I feel like it could work. That's definitely too wild. I've heard there in conversations to get Deshaun Watson as well. So it's it really would be Deshaun Watson or bust. If y'all don't get Deshaun Watson, 
do I would just stick with Drew Locke and see how he improves going into next season. Like, I wouldn't want to give up on Drew Locke, who is young, for a Cam Newton right now in his career. I would still want to see how Drew Locke would be in his third year. And you're somebody who said he was oh, your yeah, MVP I, candidate. Like, what? And now you want to jump off of him now? No, I, I like Drew Locke. I'm just saying. Uh, would I pick him or Cam Newton? I feel – I honestly still feel like Cam got a lot left in the tank, honestly. So – I, I like Drew Locke more right now for that team. They all young right now. Let Drew Locke grow with the receiving core. Like I said, if you can get Deshaun Watson, get Deshaun Watson, like I've been saying for all of these teams. But if you're not getting Deshaun Watson, stick with Drew Locke. So that is too wild. All right, let's move on to social media wants to know. Got one of them right here. Where would you like to see Blake Griffin end up? So you have put the Miami Heat, the Bulls, the Suns, and any other team. So where do you feel like he would end up? Uh, I feel he would be good with Chicago just because we've been talking about Zach Levine and how he's grown into the all-star player that he is now. And Chicago should be worried on if they're going to be able to keep Zach Levine or not, because maybe Levine wants to stay and grow with the young core around him, or maybe he wants to leave and be part of a championship contending team. I feel and that they're what ranked ninth in the East right now. So they have a chance to make the playoffs with the squad they already have. If you add a Blake Griffin to that, um, whether they I don't know if they got enough money to buy out or just um, only got enough to trade for them. But whatever you can do to get Blake Griffin, I feel like adding that with Zach Levine, that could be a, a great duo in Chicago. And I feel like they could still have a great chance to make the playoffs in the East. I said, like I already said earlier in the episode, the Suns would be the best fit for me. And I wouldn't be mad at the Miami Heat either. If this is if he were to get bought out, if he were to get bought out, I like the Heat and the Suns. But my sons will be the best fit for him because he can either start or come off the bench. And I think he will work. And I think this team can be up there with the Lakers come playoff time. And I think he would be good with the Heat because the Heat are desperately in need of rebounding help. So any big man like a Drummond or a Blake Griffin would be what the doctor ordered for this Heat team. So that's why that's why I say Blake Griffin there. And like I said, Blake Griffin is improved. He just isn't that athletic freak like we know him from the Clippers. He is way more improved, and I think he can do a lot for this Heat team uh, come playoff time. Uh, and I think that was it for social media wants to know. And let's move on to entertainment and current events. First thing, the this the framing Britney Spears and Timberlake situation. So I think this documentary had came out framing Britney Spears a couple of weeks ago on Hulu. And it really painted Britney Spears as being framed because she was so high up and she was torn down by the media. And she they were really just like saying who were the people to really knock her off of that famous status. Like they were blaming a Justin uh, Timberlake, uh, Diane Sawyer. They were saying like the paparazzi was somebody who really knocked her off. And it really started to affect her mental health when she started shaving her head. You know what I'm saying? She started having divorces with her husband. And now we they re then we really started to see the downfall of a Britney Spears. But what I really wanted to harp on was the Timberlake situation. So if y'all got, if you guys don't know, uh, Timberlake and Britney Spears used to date back in, I want to say the early 2000s, like 2001, 2002. And it was rumors that um, Britney Spears cheated on Justin Timberlake. Those were rumors were out there. And Justin, not Justin Bieber, Justin Timberlake ended up coming out with a song called Cry Me a River. And he made a video for it that right. I implied that, implied that uh, Britney Spears was cheating on him and things like that. These rumors were never confirmed, but the video really was pushing the narrative that he that she got or she cheated on him so a lot of they were he, they were getting a lot of blame towards a timberlake but i really didn't understand 
why, in my opinion. Y'all can educate me because Timberlake, he's the one who got cheated on. And, but yes, you know me. Don't be mad because I made a song about it. Like, and and that was and that was my mentality. Like, if he was the one got cheated on, why why should he be the one giving an apology? Because I heard a lot of people saying that he took advantage of her fame and he made a video on it, and that's how he really how his career really started to skyrocket. Justin Timberlake was going to skyrocket regardless. Um, we knew he was the most talented one in NSYNC, and it just so happened to be that song that helped him go up. We knew Justin Timberlake was going to blow regardless. Did it come at the expense of a few um, expense of a few Britney Spears tears? Probably, but hey, she shouldn't have cheated. <laughs> but that's what I'm, that's what people are saying. Like, were the rumors true that she cheated in the first place? Like, uh, we still know. never know. We don't know. So he just made this video. Was he just trying to build on that rumor by making this video just to rise to up the charts or whatever? It's like, damn you! Now you're really taking it at the expense of a British spirit just to get your get your song off. You cheated on me, and <laughs> I used that experience to get a bag and blow. Like I, I feel like we're even. Like, yeah, you but got that, what you wanted in that temporary moment. I got what I wanted in the long haul for me. <laughs> so win win. And they also brought up the situation with because they were just basically painting um, Justin Timberlake as a scumbag for what he did with a, a Janet Jackson. We know what happened at the Super Bowl when yeah. he had ripped the ripped her, uh, the the titty malfunction or whatever. And we know yeah. what he did with Britney, Britney Spears. So they were just really painting this nigga as like a scumbag. Like Justin Timberlake really ain't a good nigga. Like, and he's been painted as a racist before too. Like, it was a lot of shit that was being said about a Justin Timberlake. And he ended up coming out with an apology toward Britney Spears and a Janet Jackson. But I was like, does he really have, have to apologize in that situation? I understand with the Janet one. But in Britney Spears, way, yeah, you got to apologize. Yeah. yeah, but in the Britney Spears situation, I'm like, did he have to apologize? Like, did he did he know that she was going to fall like she fell because of that video? No. And, how, and why are you making him apologize 20 years later? Why are we? Oh my gosh! It's like nobody is blaming her for cheating. Like that's, that's what that's, I kept saying. That's what I kept saying. I'm like, she, if she's the one that cheated, like, why are people not saying she cheated? <laughs> so we're not supposed to feel bad for Justin because he didn't cry about it or he didn't show his emotion that he was hurt from cheating. He made a song. That was his way of coping with it. He didn't want to cry about it. He didn't want to be upset publicly or none of that. He was like, no, I'm gonna write a song. I'm gonna let my emotions speak through my music. And we're blaming him for that. But we're not gonna blame Britney for starting all of this by cheating. Like I, I don't even. Nah, I don't feel bad. I, I completely agree with you, and that's I why I was so confused. That's why I was so confused because, like I said, I understand the Janet apology. He should apologize a minute ago for that. But the, but the Britney Spears when I was like, mm, I, I don't think he had to apologize for the Britney Spears when, like I said, I don't think he knew she was gonna fall like that. And he, she, the one that cheated on him. Like I understand he that he. Rose up the charts at her expense, but damn, like I don't think he knew he was she was gonna fall like that, bro. Like crazy, crazy, crazy. But I only got through half of this documentary, but it looked the documentary really looks good. The framing Britney Spears. I didn't know a lot about Britney Spears going into the documentary, but I'm learning a lot just halfway through. So I would definitely advise checking that out. But they definitely are painting uh, Timberlake as a scumbag. <laughs> definitely painting that nigga as a scumbag for sure, for sure. All right, bro. Give us some information on this Meek and Takashi situation, bro. I'm really confused on what's going on. I, I, I really don't like talking about <laughs> it. I really don't. All I see is a video oh, of them niggas beefing uh, at the damn at a club or something. So basically what happened was, I think they were both at the same club event or whatever. 
if you don't know, Meek Mill was one of the main people talking about Takashi 69 while he was locked up. And once he got out, he was the main one um, calling them a rat for the most part. Meek was using his Twitter fingers, saying whatever he felt like about Takashi 69, et cetera, et cetera. This was their first time face to face, I believe, since Takashi has been out. And they both had security with them. So it's not like one called security on the other. But they both had security with them, and they um Takashi tried to do a run up on Meek Mill after a club event in a parking garage, and it, it didn't it looked very very hoish. <laughs> That's the best way to say it. Um it looked so forced, like them, none of them niggas wanted to fight. Meek Mill was really just standing there. Like, and, and I, I think they said uh Meek spit on Takashi too, and Takashi oh, tried to swing on him and everything. He was screaming out Pooh Shiesty lyrics. He was like, bitch, I don't own this security. He said, I got my own fight on this security in the club. I like, so we we just screaming Pooh Shiesty lyrics right now? Like, that's what we're doing? So <laughs> it's, it's funny to, situation. It's funny to me that a Takashi can really go outside and not be touched. Oh, I yeah. That's what I think that was so surprising to me that nobody has stepped to Takashi since he's really been free. Like he's really out in the streets. I thought he was going to really stay inside when he got out for being a rat, but he's really out in these streets, running these streets still. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) That man has has at least five security guards around him and he's under with the But somebody should have tried him by now, bro. No, if anybody try him, you're getting caught. Like, no, you're getting caught. Like, that's why nobody has touched this man. That's why nobody has run up on him. That's why nobody has swung on him or anything. You are going to get caught if you try to do something to Takashi 6ix9ine. That's why nobody has tried to do anything because you're the feds. You're with the feds. If you're with the feds, I'm not even going to look at you sideways because I know it's not going to end well on my part. Meek Mill didn't swing or anything or even try to entertain Takashi in person because we all know Meek Mill's situation. If Meat Mill does anything else, he can go to jail or on prison, I should say, for a very long time. So Meat chose the right thing. Is it wrong that Meek was using all them Twitter fingers and didn't really do shit in the situation? Yeah, because Meek need to stop tweeting so damn much. But I don't blame him for not interacting in the situation. Drake called him out on that years ago. Like we already knew this nigga. We already knew this nigga. Meek had Twitter fingers. Like we that we that, that nigga known for that now. Like we don't even care about that. Like, we already knew that about Meek, but it just. That's the that was just the biggest thing to me, just seeing Takashi just really free out in these streets, but like and not oh, it, don't, it don't surprise me. You got the fans taking care of you. You can do whatever you want. Cause Somebody- I remember I remember um Maul from the Joe Bunner podcast said that when like he was still in jail and he was about to get out, he was like, he's not gonna get touched. Like nobody is going to touch this man. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, one of these gang members that he was hanging with is gonna touch oh, him, bro. Nobody is going to touch this man. I promise you. That's crazy. crazy. Sadly, it's the same thing with George Zimmerman. Nobody is going to touch. But George Simmons ain't really surrounded by bodyguards like this nigga is apparently. But trust me, nobody is going to touch George. If you touch George Zimmerman, you ain't gonna be free. You're not getting away with it. I'm telling you right now, man. I don't, I don't agree with it. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just telling you why nobody has touched either one of these people yet. Somebody got to take the charge for my nigga Trayvon. My nigga Trayvon still need justice, bro. Trayvon still need justice, man. Somebody got to pull that trigger on Jimson, man. That shit crazy, bro. Fuck that nigga. I'm telling you. Nobody's going to touch them. Nobody's going to touch either one of them. Is he still in the, um, what you call that shit? Law protection. Protection shit. Witness protection? Witness protection, yeah. That man's going to be in that for the rest of his life. Like, (laughs) there there is no time frame when you get out But I heard he's in Florida still. I heard he's in Florida and people know where he stays. Yeah. 
But y'all still ain't gonna touch him? You think I'm playing? Nobody is going to touch him. <laughs> Nobody is going to touch him. If you touch, he ain't got no security around him. But try to touch that man and see what happened. Watch out! A bunch of cars pull up out of nowhere. That's I'm crazy. Right I'm telling you, the government. When the government say you under their wing, nobody is going to fuck with you. That I'm. That's just how it is. Rest in peace to my nigga Trayvon Martin, man. His birthday was a couple of weeks ago. I think they said he would have been 22 or 24. No, 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 no. He would have been 26 because he like two two or three years older than me. He would have been yeah. 26. Yeah. He would have been 26. Rest in peace to Trayvon, bro. The fact that Zimmerman is still out in the streets free is really sickening, my nigga. But rest in peace. Let's move on to B. Simone, the side switcher. How <laughs> to get with the niggas now. <laughs> they missed nine to five. <laughs> I don't I won't I don't even think she was wrong for the nine to five thing. I'm gonna be hundred percent honest. She was not wrong for what she said. She's and basically it, picking on girls now for saying that. And this and her recent video, she's basically saying, Y'all can't have the types really. I'm gonna talk about the first situation. Um, the nine to five situation. I'm pretty sure everybody knows, but if you all don't know, B Simone last year, early last year, she said she can't date a dude who has a nine to five, and everybody was on her head for that. And everybody thought she was just trying to be high and mighty with herself. But I don't think that's what the case was. B. Simone does not have a nine to five. So how can you be upset that she doesn't want to date a man who has a nine to five? Like, I don't I didn't see the problem with this. She worded wrong, probably because she the way she said it did sound like she was shaded. But why is that a problem, though? But it's, it's just because you don't have a nine to five. I have to have a, a nine to five or I have to have a, a not. I don't have to have a nine to five because you don't have a nine to five. I don't make sense. If that's a standard for me, yeah. Everybody, bro, we can't. But, but in this video, you're knocking people for having standards. In this video, this recent video, no, you're knocking people knocking, for having standards. She's not knocking people for having standards. She's having. She's knocking people for having standards, and you don't even live up to the standards that you're requiring from other people. Like, don't mm-hmm. say you want somebody who is a family person, but you don't even talk to your own parents. You don't even talk to your own siblings, but I got to be a family man. Like she's saying, don't require men to do X, Y, and Z when you as a woman can't even do that for yourself. Like, don't act like she said, don't ask for a man who don't work a nine to five when you work a nine to five right now. Like, no, it don't work like that. Try to meet the standards that you're expecting from other people, which is correct. That's what you do. When you talk to a girl, you you don't expect her to be any less than you. You expect her to be on the same level as you or better, correct? Mm-hmm. That's all she's saying. Like hey, people she didn't say that. She didn't. She didn't people say that. People don't like the fact that it's be Simone, bro. If anybody else, because you, you, you were, you were so on the women's side. You were all into bashing men. Now you're on the men's side. I think that's what's more prevalent. Forget everything that she said. It's like now you're starting to be on the men's side now, and that do y'all, y'all females, the one that's tripping. But y'all standards and y'all not even living up to y'all own standards. It's like you were like the, on the other side last year. You're on the other side of this argument. She was, but now, now you're on this side. We're on the side of men. She's literally saying the same thing. Like, no, she's not. But I'm saying she was on the women's side last year. She was on the women's side. She was all for women. Oh, no, women can have these irrational, irrational standards, this, that, and the third. But now she's on the side of, oh, no, the men, right? Like, y'all not living up to y'all standards anyway. So, this, that, the third. It's oh, like, nigga, now you're trying to stand with the men now. I disagree, bro. She's saying the same thing she said last year. And she, it's the same message. I don't feel like she's switching sides or anything. Like I said, it's B Simone. People just a lot of people just don't like B Simone, so they just not gonna take what she's saying into account. Because if anybody, I promise you, if anybody else would have said, if Beyonce would have said this, if Rihanna would have said this, 
who else a popular woman right now? If any other popular woman who honestly really like would have said this, everybody would have been like, Yes, I totally agree. Period. Blah blah blah. But it's be Simone. Everybody just telling her to shut the hell up. Honestly, in this world, in this society that we live in, them niggas are still gonna get critiqued as well. Like niggas will le- look deep into your words nowadays, bro. They don't really oh, care who it is. They will look deep into your words. Ain't gonna be to the same level for every single person. Not, not to the same level. Yeah, like you said, niggas hate B Simone, but niggas will really look deep dive into your words these days. Like they don't care. You can be saying some simple shit, and niggas gonna be like, "No, she didn't mean it like that. She meant it like this." Like niggas <laughs> really gonna try to spin your words. However, so it don't matter who says it, niggas still gonna try to spin your words regardless. But like you said, niggas hate B Simone. I feel like she's switching sides. I feel like she was all pro women last year, and now she started to be all pro men. I feel like yeah. that's what—that's why I feel like that's where the switching comes in. You can still be pro women and criticize women, like you she's, can. She's just saying, like, we got to be held as women. You have to be held accountable. Like, you—you you can't expect a man to be all of this, and you're not even half of that. Like, that's all she was saying, and people just didn't like the fact she was saying that due to the previous comments of the nine to five thing. Once she said that nine to five thing and got killed for that. You you're not gonna have success. She been ghost. She been ghosting some comments too. Nah, I ain't seen. I ain't seen. I ain't seen B Simone in a minute now. Nah. She been ghost from saying stuff. That yeah. I, she been ghost from saying stuff. But she still be going live. Like she still like do videos with people like with Desi and Country Wayne and all that. She do everything. Mm-hmm. Still. She just hasn't been vocal until <laughs> now. Like she coming back from Wild and Out. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they all gonna try to come back, especially with this situation with Nick and everything. How he got wild and out back now. I feel like everybody gonna come back. We never talked about that. I hate the fact that Nick apologized and shit for some shit. Me too, shit bro. Oh my gosh, I was so mad he did that. Like, why would you apologize? We know like he said nothing wrong. Deep down, I feel like he, he had to put his pride to the side, though. Even though he didn't feel like he was wrong, he wanted to get the show back because that was a lot of people's revenue, bro. There was a lot of people was eating off a of wild and that. So he was like, even though he didn't feel like he was wrong, he had to apologize just to get the show back. And that was the reason, and that was the only way he was going to get the show back. It was apologize. So he had to put his pride to the side. So I understand her from a business perspective, but personally, I was like, damn, Nick. Like, because nah. uh, Terrence hit me up. I have When I had posted it on my IG story, Terrence had swiped up, and we was talking about it. He said the same thing you said. He was like, bro, like, that man, not only do that man got to eat off of that show, other people got to eat off that show, too. Like, that, that's a big revenue for a lot of people. But I'm like, bro, somebody, like I said, I said this to you earlier when we did the, um, when we did the One Night in Miami review. We don't even like losing a job, let alone losing like our lives for the cause for black people. It's like, damn, what are we willing to sacrifice? You ain't willing to sacrifice. Why? It's, it's not. It's not just Nick Cannon because Nick Cannon, Nick Cannon can get rid of Wild yeah, and still be making money. But other depending on Wild and Out, though, that's the point. If this was just Nick Cannon by himself, he'd be like, "Fuck Wild and Out!" Like, I don't need Wild and Out to get my money. But he but got you know, other niggas to do it. You know what you could have did with this? You could have partnered up with Diddy. You could have went to Revolt TV, and y'all could have really started something crazy at Revolt TV. That's, that's what they could have did. But are you willing to start from ground zero with that, or do you just want to go back to Viacom with, with these white people and just be like, I'm sorry? And is it going to be the same type of viewership? We don't know what the viewership it is ain't. with a Revolt TV. Like, he want to get them. It's not going to be the same type of money like you're getting out of Viacom. At first, it's not. But once you go there, everybody gonna watch y'all. Like we we want to see DC, we want to see Carlos Miller, we we want to see B Simone, we want to see Pretty V and all the I am Zoe. We want to see all these people. Like you know what I'm saying? If that's where y'all going, trust me, your viewership will follow. It might not be 
the same millions of viewers on day one, but it'll slowly grow to that. Like that's why I feel they could have did. They could have went to Revolt TV and we could have started something crazy with that, honestly. But doesn't Viacom Viacom still had the rights for Wild and Out? So I don't think it was that easy to just go to uh, another station because I think that's what could have happened if they so, still had their rights. So Viacom still had their rights. You can't go anywhere. It's Viacom shit. It's not even Nick Cannon shit to do whatever. So he had to go back to Viacom to make this to make this Wild and Out shit work. And that's how I feel. I don't think it was something that he could have just took anywhere. You feel what I'm saying? Oh well, yeah, I, right I think involved. about that. So that's a good point. I, I feel like it was some right shit involved. All right, but let's move on to the next one. Who should D'Angelo go against in a versus? I heard he's going to do a versus in the coming weeks, but they say he don't, they don't have an opponent for him yet. Who is the best opponent for D'Angelo? D'Angelo. I said Maxwell. Pretty Wings Maxwell needs to come back for this versus, bro. I want to see it. Maxwell. I want to see it. Damn, I want to see Maxwell. Off the top of my head, damn, you said Maxwell. I can't think of nobody else, honestly. Anybody else, <laughs> anybody else I would say would, would beat this man. So <laughs> you talking about who are you saying? D'Angelo got some hits now. Don't try D'Angelo now. Any any name that's coming to my mind is like legendary. Are you thinking about like R and B? Like, like what are you what, like what type of musicians are you thinking about right now? Whether I let me let me look up D'Angelo hits. He got the brown sugar, he got some hits now. The way he got his shirt off, I forgot what that song was called. Let me see. Yeah, shirt off in a lot of videos. I don't know. Songs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brown sugar do got yeah. He got some hits. Yeah, I got some hits. Me, me like and those dreaming eyes of mine. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. It depends on who you're trying to throw in the ring with a D'Angelo. Like, I don't want you throwing no, no crazy names out there. Cause you're talking about who will beat him. Like, who you trying I'm to throw out there? with you right now for Maxwell. I'm just sorry. Maxwell. Yeah, I'm gonna rock with Maxwell. Because honestly, I couldn't think of anybody else besides Maxwell either. That that was that was a good question. I really I would have to. Say Whoa, that. would a Charlie want to do this? Charlie would smoke this nigga, but would Charlie want to do this? Charlie Wilson. Hmm. Oh yeah, Charlie winning that. Charlie should be in a versus. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie should be in a versus. <laughs> Charlie got his, my that. nigga. <laughs> Charlie winning that. I ain't gonna lie, but oh, it was It would it would be good versus. We need Charlie in a versus. I don't know if it should be for this versus, but we need Charlie Wilson in a versus, man. That man got too many hits. Too many hits. All right, man. If y'all don't know, we doing movie and show reviews. We just recorded the One Night in Miami one today. Like I said, I'm dropping that on either Friday or Saturday. So definitely be on the lookout for that. We got a uh, Judas and the Black Messiah coming out. We got the Tiger documentary. We're already doing WandaVision. That's every Monday. Uh, what else we doing? The 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 little things with Denzel. Uh, Malcolm and Marie. We Malcolm. Malcolm Emery. <laughs> How you felt about that joke? How you felt about that joke? Because I felt like it was a different variation of the same argument, but go ahead. Uh it there were different arguments. I don't feel like it was the same exact the same argument came up like twice, but there were different arguments plotting to the same problem. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But I still feel like it was very good. I ain't gonna give too much because we're gonna do a review on it, but yeah. I honestly I really liked the movie. Well, the film, I should say. I really liked it. Was it was good. Yeah, it was, it was very good. I think I liked it more for the acting, more than I liked it for the plot of it. The, like, the arguments oh, yeah. were... It kind of it got repetitive with the arguments. Like, they have 10 minutes like an argument. Like, 10 minutes of argument. But I love the acting. Like, both of them are, like, studs when it comes to acting. Denzel, uh, what's my boy name? Oh, um... 
damn. <laughs> I forgot his name. I um oh my god, what's David, the- David John, David John or John David Washington. Because he played uh he played a tenant. Is it John David yeah, or David John? He, he played tenant. Is is David John, I believe. Yeah. David John Washington. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I only know him as tenant. I don't know why I keep saying that. Facts. Then <laughs> they snap. I ain't gonna ooh, she added her ass off. Bro. Do you remember that one scene where she was acting like uh, she was gonna kill herself or whatever with the knife? Oh, yeah. oh my god, bro! She had me scared. I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I mean, boy, that was some amazing bro. acting. Bro. Hey. That was some amazing hey, acting. Hey. Yeah, she was yeah. acting while acting. Like, I no. swear that shit was so fire, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was so. But, but we gonna have a review on that one as well. We gonna say a review on that one. And uh, let's move on to past the ox, man. What you got for song of the week? Song of the week. Ooh, I've been on my old future flow. I'm gonna go at no charge from the Purple Rain album. And I told Edgar this the other day, bro. I've been listening to a lot of Prostitute by Lil Wayne. <laughs> and <laughs> Prostitute too by Lil Wayne. And it's just like, man, that shit been stuck in my head for the last couple of weeks, honestly. But some new shit I've been listening to is um Something Ain't Right by Masego featuring Jid. It was on the um Judas and Black Messiah soundtrack. Yeah, I was listening to that soundtrack a little bit. Yeah, that shit was fire. So definitely check out that song as well. But I think that's it for the podcast. We got something else. Uh, oh, we didn't get to talk about it, but um, Kodak Black is not a clone. Oh, I just want to tell you, <laughs> when it's not a clone, I kept trying to tell people when he came out. I already knew that was gonna happen before he came out. People were saying he don't look the same. Blah blah blah. To everybody who does not know. You will not look the same when you come out of jail or prison as you did when you went in. Kodak has not touched weed, pills, or lean, or anything of that variation since he's been in prison. So honestly, he's the healthiest he's been in the past two to three years. You're going to lose weight, and you're not going to look the same. I need people to understand that. And people were acting like we didn't know what skinny Kodak looked like before he came out. Like, I didn't think people were really believing that clone shit. So people were really believing that shit. I, I seen a lot of people say he a clone. I'm like, y'all really them people? Like y'all really <laughs> like we we can't just say the man has looks. We can't just say he's healthier now and he just looks different from getting out of jail. Nope, he's a clone. We like he wasn't talking like the first four or five days he was out. Oh yeah, he definitely a clone. Maybe the man just don't want to talk. Like maybe he's exactly. Like, maybe he's <laughs> I didn't the logic didn't make sense to me. That's why I'm like, was niggas really being serious about that clone shit? Like, cause he like, ain't talking when he had a photo shoot. Honestly, got clone. Exactly. Like, what? Now, now he's talking. Now he back to being regular Kodak. Now he's saying Kodak type shit and going live and all that. And now everybody's like, oh yeah, this ain't no clone. Blah blah blah. I'm like, y'all really be believing that shit? Out of all the people, the government could clone <laughs> in the world. Y'all thought. <laughs> Y'all thought they cloned Gucci and Kodak? <laughs> Out of every person that you could possibly clone, those are the people y'all think got cloned. Okay. <laughs> okay. The Stop most niggas. Like, I, I need him to drop some fire music. The first two songs right. he dropped since he came out have not been good. Six or seven, <laughs> six or seven out of ten. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I want Kodak to thrive now that he's out. So hopefully he drops some fire. If he don't, I'm going to be upset. So... Yeah, call that, call that black man. And it's funny because I seen a video where he was like, bro, I'm really going to stop doing this social media shit. Like, y'all niggas really so fake on the social media. But like, you say he's still doing lives? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's still doing the lives. Yeah, I think he said, fuck it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. I think that's it for the podcast. You can hit it with the social media. 
You can follow us on Twitter at QE Podcast One. You can follow us on Instagram at QANDE Podcast. You can follow and like our Facebook page. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you click the notification bell so you can see anytime that we drop new episodes. Our email, QANDE Podcast at gmail.com for any business inquiries, questions, or concerns. And our Snapchat is QE Podcast. Yes, and subscribe to us on all of our podcast platforms. We are wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio. Uh, but really, we're everywhere, man. So definitely check us out. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube. Type in Quincy Hicks into the YouTube. 